What does a busy day look like to you? What does an exhausting weekend look like for you? What does a draining, tiring week look like for you? Okay, I can go on and on. How about a month when you're exhausted and you're tired and people are coming and begging you for your attention? What does it look like for you? In any of these situations, can you be kind? Can you be gentle? Can you be loving? Can you stop and pray? Can your words be good and healthy for one another and glorify God? Can we be compassionate to others in need? I want you to turn with me just a couple pages over to the book of Mark. I know we're in Matthew, but I just want to give you an idea of what's going on from, a, from, from another passage of Scripture, which is relating to the same thing. Matthew, uh, Mark 6, 53 through 56, just four verses. When they had crossed over, they came to the shore and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized Jesus. They hurried throughout the region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard that Jesus was. Whenever he went into villages and towns or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they may touch the end of his robe. And everyone who touched the end of his robe was healed. We are God's workmanship called to do his work and much more, and not and much more, but his work, right? We are called to help those in need. Let's pray together. Lord, you called us, you called us to be your followers, to be your disciples, to be making and maturing disciples. You called us to pray. You called us to help each other follow Jesus. You called us to work. Help us all to learn from you today, from your living, active word. Please give us ears to hear and an undistracted mind to understand your word by the power and the divine work of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. So we're going to journey back a little bit <clears throat> through, through chapter 9, just to give you a little summary of where we're at, right? Chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, Pastor Ryan preached about three weeks ago. He preached that the Son of, the Son of Man forgives and heals. Why was that so important that Jesus, the Son of Man, forgives and heals? Well, Jim and Jesus demonstrated his power to heal, and his authority to forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus is God. He's the Son of Man in the flesh. The Pharisees, however, and the scribes would not believe that. The religious leaders were furious with Jesus because, why? Because he was claiming to be the Son of God. He was claiming to be God. The Pharisees knew that, and they were furious with him. 
The next, next small section is uh, verses 9 through 13. Pastor Andy came in two weeks ago, and it was the call of Matthew, the call of a disciple. Who does Jesus call? In verses 4, in these four verses, he calls Matthew to follow him. Matthew was a tax collector, no doubt a sinner, and everybody knew it. However, Jesus didn't come to call righteous, call the righteous. He came to call the sinners to repentance. And what does Jesus desire of us? So here, the Pharisees, once again, are elevating themselves, and they're elevating themselves above Jesus, and they're judging Jesus because he's spending time with sinners, and he's eating with sinners. Again, now last week, we were talking about fasting, verses 14 through 17, I'm just summarizing what has been going on for the, the last days and, and many weeks, possibly. In chapter 9 alone, in a short span of time, you have many groups of people asking questions and many people seeking to be healed of their afflictions. His disciples, disciples were following him. Many people were following Jesus out of curiosity and desiring healing. Here you have John's disciples following Jesus. And we also see the Pharisees following Jesus closely. Both the religious people and the sinners, and the religious people were sinners as well, were following Jesus, and, and Jesus confronts them. And he says, he says, Jesus confronted the religious people about fasting with a statement about the bridegroom. What does fasting have to do with the bridegroom? I'm glad you asked. Jesus was referring to himself as the bridegroom. And he states, while the bridegroom is with you, there is no reason for fasting or mourning. Jesus, the arrival of the kingdom of heaven is a time for rejoicing. And Jesus is talking about himself, and it is a time for rejoicing. Pharisees wouldn't have any part of that. So now we're going to, I just wanted to give you an idea of what was going on in the scriptures for, for the several days now. And now we get into verse 18 through 26, as my, my brother Len read. As he was telling them these things, suddenly one of the leaders came and knelt before him saying, my daughter just died. But come, lay your hands on her. And she will live. So Jesus and his disciples got up and followed him. Then a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years approached him from behind and touched the end of his robe. She said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and saw her, said, have courage, daughter. He said, your faith has saved you. And the woman was made well from that moment when Jesus came to the leader's house. So now he goes back and he's, after he's healed this woman, now he comes back and, he's, and he goes to the leader's house. He saw the flute players and, allowed, and the crowd lamenting loudly. Leave, he said, because the girl is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. They knew what a dead person looks like. And he said, leave, he said, because the girl is not dead. He's asleep. After the crowd had been put aside, 
He went in and took her by the hand, and she got up. The news of her spread throughout the whole area. So in this situation, as Jesus is, the, the entire portion is two, two stories in one, right? Jesus continues ministering to the people, all the people who were coming to him. In the gospel of Mark and Luke, this man was a leader with considerable influence and authority. It was Jairus. He came to Jesus. The man with authority came to Jesus and recognized Jesus' authority. He said, if you touch my daughter, she will live. He knew he couldn't do that. He had authority, but he couldn't bring someone back to life. And it was his daughter that he was concerned about. And he said, if you lay your hand on my daughter, she will live. This man with authority recognized that Jesus' authority is above all. For some reason, in both Gospels, they, they move into two different stories, right? And I couldn't separate them, so I continued on this, thinking, why is, why is there two, two sections here? Because he, as he was going to help this, this, um, this leader's daughter, there was need for more ministry as he was traveling, and this, late, this woman touched him and was healed. So he turned to her and, and recognized that, and didn't, didn't stop and didn't, didn't rebuke her. He, he continued to minister to people and, and heal people. So it was just part of his day, part of what he was here to do. And, and more and more people were being brought to him. So after all that was said and done, that's, that's when he continued on to the man's house and the daughter who had already died. And I'll, I'll just re- reiterate what happened. There were flute players and, a, and there was a crowd that were already there, there were professional mourners were, were customarily hired to assist at funerals, usually including flutists and wailing women making a commotion. And because the body's decomposing quickly and, and, and because of death, the mourners had to assembly, assemble fairly soon after a death. Jesus sent the crowd away and looked to the father and the mother showing compassion to the father and the mother and a few of the disciples, Jesus touches the girl's hand and raises her from the dead. And he demonstrates his authority over death by raising the child from the dead and restoring her to her father and a mother. This points to a time in the future where Jesus will be raised from the dead and all who believe in him will be restored to, the, to our heavenly father. What kind of authority does Jesus have? Jesus has all authority on earth and in heaven. Jesus has authority over life and death. And Jesus has authority over authority. The next section, verses 27 through 31, is about healing, healing two blind men. As Jesus went out from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men approached him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I can do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, Let it be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus warned them sternly, Be sure that no one finds out. But they went out and spread the news about him throughout the whole area. Two blind men following Jesus, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Just think about it. 
Who was leading who? You got two blind men. They were following Jesus and they were listening attentively to his words. They were listening. Think, think about it. Think about who you met today. Do you even remember their name? Did you have blind men following Jesus and, and, and listening intently to what's going on? And the, the crowds are stationary for a moment and they're listening and they hear Jesus' voice. And they're paying attention to his words, right? And you have all these crowds around them hearing Jesus' voice and paying attention to his words, including the Pharisees hearing Jesus and paying attention to his words. But you have these blind men that are hearing the words and hearing the reaction of the crowds when all these miracles are happening around them. They're not seeing it. But they're paying attention and they're hearing it, right? So if you, if you, if you go back in the scriptures to verse, in, in this chapter, to verse 13, Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. How long, will you how long do you think these blind men were listening for? Did they hear his words? Because that's exactly what they asked for. They said, son of David... Have mercy on us. How did they know that he was the son of David? He, they heard him speak. They heard him declare that he was the son of David. They heard other people talking about him, and they believed that he, he would have mercy on them. And that's exactly, what they, that's exactly what happened. They believed that Jesus would have mercy on them, and Jesus said to the blind men, Your faith in me has opened your eyes. Jesus made the blind men see. So Jesus has authority and shows his mercy for the blind men. The next section, verses 32 and 33, just as they were going out, a demon-possessed man who was unable to speak was brought to Jesus. When the demon had been driven out, the, men, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowds were amazed, saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he dries out demons by the rulers of demons. Pharisees, Pharisees would have no part of him being God. Even after all these days of following Jesus and witnessing many signs and wonders and miracles, the Pharisees could not see that this was the Son of Man because their eyes were not miraculously opened. They were so habitually religious and set in their ways that they couldn't see Jesus right in front of them. And they couldn't see Jesus. They, they saw all the miracles, but they had to say it was something else. They said he was driving out demons by the ruler of demons. The next section is about the Lord of the harvest, verses 35 through 38. Jesus continues going around to all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed. They were dejected. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant. The harvest is plentiful 
but the workers are few. He's saying this to the disciples. The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest and to send out workers into his harvest. Many different crowds continue to follow Jesus. I wonder, through all of this that's going on, all the crowds that are following Jesus, you had, the, you had, the, you had his disciples following Jesus. You had John's disciples following Jesus. John was pointing his disciples to Jesus. He's, he's, the, reason, he's the reason I'm here. Follow him. So you had John's disciples following Jesus. You had all the sick people. Some of them were being brought to him, and some of them were, were just following him and trying to get close to him, right? And you had the Pharisees following him closely as well, right? I wonder if it was draining and tiring for the disciples and for Jesus. Nonetheless, Jesus continues to go around to all the towns and all the villages. What was he doing? He was teaching the scriptures in the synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus was healing every disease and sickness. The people were all distressed and dejected, and Jesus felt compassion on them. They were like sheep, as he said. They were like sheep without a shepherd. As Christians, we're admonished to have compassion on those in need. The leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees who were supposed to be leading the people and have compassion for the people failed them miserably. But Micah 5.4 predicted that the Messiah would shepherd his people. And that's who we're pointing to, Jesus. Jesus saw the helplessness and the need of the crowds, and he turns to his disciples, and he calls them to more. Jesus is calling them to pray, and he's calling them to work. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Let's pray together. Lord, as, uh, as my... Brother has prayed that I would not get in the way of your word. I pray the same. We recognize that your word is, uh, is, um, will not return void. We recognize that you, you did miraculous work um, and have, have proven to be God, the Messiah, the, uh, the Lord of the harvest, the Lord of the Sabbath, You've proven to, to restore the blind man's eyes. You've proven to uh, raise a paralytic um, and, and allow him to walk, and you, and you forgave his sins. And you were confronted by all, all kinds of people, and all kinds of people were following you. Um, and we recognize this in the Scriptures. So once again, I, I pray that your word will continue 
to um, reach out to people and continue to change people's lives, continue to show people that they, they need to depend on you, to, to continue to show people that they are sinners in need of a Savior. Lord, you said you didn't come for the righteous, but you came for the sinner so that they would repent. And we are all thankful for that because all of us have sinned and gone astray. And all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. And we have recognized you as our Lord and as our Savior. The Scriptures say all Scripture is good and profitable. It was breathed out by God to teach us, to rebuke us, and to correct us, and to train men and women of God in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A good work that God prepared in advance for us to do. You are the Lord of the harvest, and we pray to the Lord of the harvest. Please help us. We are in need of more workers in the harvest field. We are in need of more workers for children's ministry. We are in need of more workers for first choice ministries. We are in need of more workers for my brother's place. We are a needy people. We are in need of workers for care group. We are in need of workers for men's and women's ministries. Lord of the harvest, we are praying to you because we are in need of your direction. We are in need of your teaching through the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to continue to sanctify us. We need the Holy Spirit to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit and test the attitudes of our hearts. Who can trust the heart? It is deceitful and desperately sick. We need the Holy Spirit to rebuke us and correct us. We need to be trained in righteousness to be thoroughly equipped for every good and purposeful work that you have ordained and predestined for us to do. And we need to respond to your call to live by faith and not by sight and abide in you alone. Lord, you, Lord, have your way in creating us a new heart after your heart, after your ways. We are your workmanship. We are yours to sacrificially give our time to serve one another and to glorify you. The time is shorter than we realize. Redeem our time left to impact the world and our community. Our little villages and surrounding town, change our community. Light up this community of Sussex County. Let us witness and point to the Lord of the harvest, pointing people to the bridegroom, introducing people to the giver of life as newborn babies, growing into mature workers for Christ. And as the sustainer of the life and health, introducing our neighbors and communities to Jesus, the mediator between God and man. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Help us to proclaim to a lost generation that no one is restored to the Father except through you. Help us to point people to Jesus who came to rescue us from our sins and provide life with the bridegroom for an eternal celebration. We pray these things in our Redeemer and friends, in Redeemer and friend Jesus' name, the perfect sacrificial lamb who gave up his life. He spent every drop of blood to completely satisfy the wrath of God that we deserve. And we pray this and thank you in Jesus' name.